Good evening. Hey, we're continuing our series tonight, continuing our series called Our House. Everyone say Our House. Our House. If you're here and you need a, a Bible or a pen, just wave at me here. We'll get you, a, we'll get you some pens. We'll get you a Bible. You'll definitely want to follow along. Coming to Citizens and not having your Bible is like going on a road trip and not bringing Cheez-Its. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a long road and you're going to feel left out. So open up your Bibles, click to them, do whatever you got to do. Hey, what's up, Michael? And uh, we're going we're gonna to have fun today. So open up your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where Elisa read. We'll be in verse 16. Uh, everybody do this. Take your hand. Go under your seat and pull out your notes. There are notes there. And uh, you'll want to follow along, fill in the blanks. Today we're going to learn the second mark of our house. We're going to learn one of the traits, one of the marks, one of the aspects of our community that make this our house. These are the marks that if you were to remove them, these are the kind of marks that if you were to take them away, citizens, this place right here, this group of people would no longer be, oh, I was going to do the handoff. Next time, okay? This would no longer be our house. And so as you open up your Bibles, I want to read you a letter written by a young college female home to her parents. Listen to this. Dear Mom and Dad, my first semester of college is coming to a close. I just thought I'd drop you a note to clue you in on my plans. <clears throat> I've fallen in love with a guy. His name is Jim. Jim quit high school after 11th grade to get married to his girlfriend. About a year ago, they got a divorce. We've been going steady for two months, and we plan to get married this fall. Until then, I've decided to move off campus into his apartment. I actually think I might be pregnant. At any rate, it doesn't really matter because I actually dropped out of school last week, although I'd like to finish college sometime in the future. We'll see. On the next page, the letter continued. Dear mom and dad, I just want you to know that everything I've written so far in this letter is false. None of it is true. But mom and dad, it is true that I got a C minus in French and I flunked my math class. And it is true that I'm gonna need some more money for my tuition payments. Love, your daughter. We're talking about perspective, right? Do you guys get that? She had some bad news to tell her parents, and so she decided to write the most horrible news she could have imagined in the first page. By the time she got to the second page, what do you think her parents were feeling? <sighs> she only failed math class, right? Perspective. It's all about perspective. And so today, for the next few moments, for a short while here, I'm going to talk to you about a perspective that characterizes this entire community. I'm going to talk about a perspective that every single young man in this room and every single young lady in this room should have as a member of citizens if this is going to be our house. And so let's look at the kind of perspective. Let's look at the kind of lens that we look through and that we identify others with and that we relate to one another with in our house. Let's take a look at our text here. Starting in verse 16, check it out. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. I want you guys to say that phrase, according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Behold, the new has come. First thing we're looking at here, friends, and I want you to realize this, all right? Because when we look at the Bible, we're not simply studying some ancient text about a faraway place that has nothing to do with us, all right? Every single week that we come here to Citizens, we open up our Bibles and we realize, and I know you guys are with me too, we realize that what God has said through his word has as much relevance for us today as it did for the original audience, all right? And so here's why this text is extremely relevant and why you're going to love it. Because the reality is, there are a lot of ways that we regard each other. You know what I mean? There's a lot of ways that people in high school regard one another. And here's what I mean by that. What I mean is, by regarding, definition of regard, I'll have a, maybe a slide guy just help me if I, if I lose my battery here. But to regard means this, to identify or think of someone, okay? So there are a lot of ways to regard people, to identify and think of them, okay? And so what do we do? In high school, we identify others, we look at them, and we label them according to a whole myriad of things, right? And so what we do is we look at their social status, right? And we have the populars and the not populars, right? And there's mean girls everywhere. But that's one of the ways we start to regard people. We identify and recognize, oh, I'm looking at you based on your social status, or maybe I'm looking at you based on your physical beauty, right? Oh, those are the plastics. Oh, those are the beautiful people. Oh, we're the not so beautiful. Whatever that is, right? I don't even know. But maybe more for guys, your athletic abilities, right? And so you have the sporty kids and you have the athletic kids, right? I remember in high school, <laughs> um, I remember this one kid. And he was like, he was in band with me and he wasn't as athletic. And he made the most keen observation about athletic people in gym class. He said, you know, if they're an athletic person, they can make a complete fool of themselves in gym class and be completely horrible, and people will still think they're the most athletic. And I go, that's kind of true, huh? Because once you're categorized, once you're regarded as an athletic person, you can do no wrong. So we regard people based on athletic abilities. We regard people based on their wealth. Oh, those are the rich kids. Oh, she's rich. Oh, he's poor. Oh, he's, I guess we never regard people as middle class, right? <laughs> you're like, what table is that? That's the middle class table. You don't want to go there, right? They're just so mediocre. I don't know, right? But we regard people based, we, we look at them and it's so easy to see your wealth status and where you're at and what size house you have and the car you drive. We see people based on their hobbies, right? Where are my band people at? Right? The band people and then my chess club people. <laughs> there literally is no chess club people. He did that just for moral support because he knows I'm the only one, right? But we have the sports people and the rugby players and the theater people. Any theater people? Dude, you guys are your own tribe. Are you not? Yeah. Theater people, you guys are your own crazy, I mean your own cool uh, crew, right? Your own crew. So we regard people according to hobbies. We look at people based on their careers. Oh, they want to be engineers or they want to be, I don't know, race car driver, whatever that is, right? We regard people according to their ethnicity. A lot of times we regard ourselves according to these things, don't we? And it's very easy to identify ourselves even. Oh, oh, I'm Asian. Oh, I'm Hispanic. Oh, I'm whatever, right? Unless you're white. And then you're like, I wish I was something, right? Anybody remember? Sometimes we even regard people according to family life, right? And you start to only identify yourself. And you go, man, I see you according to your family dysfunction or according to your family name or your last name or your traditions and all those things. 
You know what's the worst? You know what's the worst way that we regard each other? And I can't, like, I can't even handle it. I can't even, you know? I can't even. But no joke. Here's what we do. We start to look at each other, even in this room. We look across the room, and we, we look across the room, we look next to us, and we start to regard people based on our sins. We start to regard people based on our past mistakes. We start, oh, those are the druggies, or, or those are the partiers, or, or dude, oh, that's like, dude, those are like the promiscuous crowd, or oh, that's this, you know, and it's just like, there's all of these ways that we regard people and label them and identify them. And you could say this, you could say that these perspectives are according to the flesh, okay? That's what, the, that's what Paul says here. These are ways that are according to the flesh, meaning we're categorizing and we're labeling people according to what is visible, based on outward and temporary points of views. Does this make sense? I mean, this is kind of similar to what our game was here, right? Like, before you know it, there's tribe leaders and there's fan clubs, and the whole room was divided into these different factions. And that's a pretty accurate picture of what even high school can look like sometimes. And here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. Here's my point. Here's the rub. Here's the thing that if you do not understand this tonight, you don't understand our house, okay? Here's the thing about our house, okay? We are a place in our community. We are not regarding people according to these perspectives. We're not lining people up according to these categories. Here at Citizens, listen to me, students. We refuse to see you as the product of your family or as just your hobbies or as what your past mistakes are or as who your last name. We don't regard you according to those things because that is not what's most important about you. Those are not the things that define you. And so we don't regard you according to those things. We regard you, we identify you and see you based on something so much more profound. And this is what it is. In our house, we see people for who they are in Christ. Here at Citizens, we're striving by the grace of God to be a place that, I, that regards one another, not based on these, on these fleshly things, not based on these natural perspectives, based on this, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Think of it like this. Jesus Christ himself was once regarded, was once categorized according to the flesh, okay? Christ himself was once regarded according to a worldly perspective, meaning people looked at him, they go, he's just a dude. He's just a carpenter, Lakin. I mean, he's from Bethlehem. Give me a break. Who is this guy? And they only saw him according to this worldly, this natural, outward perspective. But those things are not what's most true about Jesus, are they? Right? And it comes, and they come to find out after he rises from the dead. I'm still not over that, dude. He literally rose from the dead, right? And so he rises from the dead and he reveals himself to be God. And now he rises to heaven and he's sitting on a throne with all authority under his feet. Imagine if I looked at that guy, <laughs> the God guy, who's sitting on a throne and is in charge of everything. And I go, oh yeah, that's the dude from Bethlehem. What? The, I, how can I regard someone like that according to such a natural perspective? How can I view someone who has been so transformed and is now sitting there overall in his glorified body, how can I view someone like him from such a natural perspective? What? In the same way. 
just as we no longer regard Christ according to that perspective. We now see those of you in Christ, not according to the flesh, but in regards of who you are in Christ. How can I look at you, someone who has been so transformed from such a natural perspective? That would be like looking at Jesus and going, oh, that's the dude from Bethlehem. He's a carpenter. That's what you took away from the scene, right? Like imagine you're like transported up to heaven and you are standing there before the throne and you see God in all of his, right? And he's just, and Jesus is there in his glorified body. And you look at him and you go, oh yeah, that's the carpenter from Bethlehem. I think you missed something, right? You missed something. And so students, in the same way, when you are in Christ, you've been transformed. That's what the text shows us here. You've been transformed. The text actually, look what it says here. It says that you are a new creation. Students, listen to me, okay? When you surrender your life to follow Jesus, okay? Well, I grew up in church, so I guess you're talking to me. No, 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 all right? When you come to a point in your life where you decide, where you come to the point of decision, and you say, Jesus Christ is going to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is the one that I'm going to live for. When you come to that point, do you know what Jesus does for you? Well, he brushes me off, and maybe he gives me some new makeup. and Maybe he just gives me a, a new outfit, or it just gives me a nice little, you know, whatever, right? Jesus is not just coming into your life when you surrender to him and just changing the outside. When you surrender your life to Jesus, he doesn't simply give you a new wardrobe change or give you some new manners or just brush you off and make you nice and well-rounded. Jesus does something so much more radical than that. Jesus Christ does something in your life so much more radical than just be a good boy and girl. You know what he does? He makes you a new creation. This is language from Genesis, right? Like when in the beginning, God took a park and had a park cleanup day and put Adam and Eve there. Remember that? Remember that verse, right? In the beginning, God took Camus Park and he mowed the lawn and then he put mankind there, right? You guys don't read your Bible apparently. You're like, yeah, oh, I know that one, Sam. Oh, my favorite. That's my favorite Bible story, right? No! What did God do in the beginning? He didn't clean up a park. He made a brand new creation. Nothing? No. Yeah, you're up. <laughs> and the mic's dead. <laughs> Sorry, Max. Right? He made a brand new creation in the same way, students. When God saves you, when you surrender your life to him, he doesn't clean you up. He doesn't create a new park. He builds something brand new. And this is why we're going to camp. This year, the theme of our camp is all things new. And we're going to break this down. And for three nights, we're going to explain exactly what God does in your life and how radical it is. But we see it here, students, that it's a new creation. You're in a brand new relationship with your heavenly father. He puts a new heart inside of you, right? And he gives you these new desires and these new motives. And you're living and you're like, dude, I'm, I, man, I did something last night. And when I used to do it, it never used to be a big deal, but now I feel weird about it. Why is that? Because you have a new heart. Because you're a new creation. You have a new spirit inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is now giving you a new power and new, and new desires and new strength to live in a way that you never could live before. And you're like, what is this? I, I want to read my Bible and I want to I, I do good things and I don't want to sin and I want to please God and I want to tell my friends. What is that? You're a new creation. Can we lower this mic just a touch? Just a little touch? Just a spot? 
You're a new creation. And so, friends, if that's how new you are in Jesus, students, look at me, eyeballs, right here. Right here, right here. If that's how new of a creation you are, how can we regard you according to the flesh? Oh, that's the guy from Bethlehem. Oh, that's the kid that messed up. Oh, that's the girl that, that was promiscuous. Oh, that's the rich kid. Oh, that's the soccer player. That's what you got by looking at this person next to you? No, students, that's not what we do. We no longer regard those according to the flesh. That's because we are a community, students. We are a community. This is our second mark. We are a community, a heart-transforming community. We are a heart-transforming community. Our house is not about you coming here on Wednesday night and breaking the record. I need a head count here, right? Survey says. We'll find out, right? But it's not about you coming here on a Wednesday night to learn morals. We're not calling you here on a Wednesday night to come and be a well-mannered, a well-mannered young man and woman. We're calling you here to tell you about the God who makes you brand new. We're calling you here to tell you and to proclaim the good news of a God who transforms you when you put your faith in him. Students, we are, this is the second mark, we are a heart-transforming community. And so here's what I want us to, to walk away with here today, okay? Before we continue the last few verses here. This is what I want us to walk away with. If we ever, 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 if we ever cease, right? If we ever stop being a place where we tell people and proclaim the good news about a God who is making you brand new. If we ever stop being that place, I'm out. That's not our house anymore. If we ever cease to be a place that regards one another and looks at you, not based on those other things, but based on the fact of whether or not you're in Christ, if we ever stop doing that and we become more concerned with being clicked up and squad goals and all these things, and we start to regard each other according to the flesh. If we ever become that, I'm out. And you should be too. Because it's no longer our house at that point. It's no longer our house. Because students, we're a heart-transforming community. This is a place where Jesus changes people. He changes people. And so you may be wondering right now, Sam, 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 okay, okay. All right, you're waving your arms. All right, I'm hearing it. But how? How do you possibly expect me, Sam, to regard the person next to me according to who they are in Christ? S Sam, do you really expect us to just pretend like each other's sins aren't real? Like, are we just supposed to pretend like those things didn't happen or as if those parts of us don't exist? Are we just supposed to sing kumbaya, close our eyes, and ignore all those other things? How is that even possible? Is it really possible to be a youth group that is more concerned about whether or not people are in Christ than whether they're not on this certain team? Is that really possible, Sam? I don't think so, man. Trust me, I know youth groups. Oh, I'm a youth. And youth groups are always like that. Is that even possible? I think it is possible. And here's why. Here's how it is possible. Let's look at the next verse. Look at verse 18 with me, and it's going to tell us why it's possible. All this is from God, who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody say reconciliation. It works a lot better when you say it with a Jamaican accent. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's originally a Jamaican word in the original language. It's reconciliation. It just kind of helps you. It rolls off the tongue, right? Try it. 
Reconciliation. Yes, man. I mean, yes, man. So he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Second thing we see in our text here is that God is the subject and we are the objects. God is the subject and we are the objects. Look at the text here again. It says, all this is from, all this is from, all this is from who? All this is from God. It's right there in the text. This isn't our idea, okay? This is not Sam's creative idea. As your youth pastor, I have an idea. What if we regarded everybody according to who they were in Christ? <laughs> Sam, what a great idea. No. This is not my idea. This is not your idea. All of this, God, knowing the world, would stand before him one day. God in heaven, knowing that one day you would stand before Jesus Christ and your entire eternity is based on how you respond to him, God, knowing that, he decided to take the initiative and come to you. God decided to take the initiative and reconcile people to himself and to transform them. So, man, God is really transforming people? Yep, and it's God's idea, actually. That was God's idea. Every single one of you were born spiritual orphans out of the family. See, you were born as a sinner, addicted to your sin, addicted to yourself. You were paralyzed by your fears and sins and insecurities. But now you're in Christ, you're in God's family, and you are brand new creations because God pursued you. It's one thing. It's one thing if you offend somebody and they go, all right, well, if they come and apologize, right, young guys, right? If they come and apologize, then I'll forgive them, right? He hurt my feelings, but if he comes and apologizes to me, then I'll take him back. That's one thing. That's kind of nice, right? What a good guy. He's willing to forgive. It's another thing to say, he hurt me. I'm going to pursue and make sure that we're cool. See the difference? Josh punched me in the face, and I say, I'll forgive him if he comes and apologizes. Second scenario, Josh punches me in the face and I go, man, I gotta go make up with this guy. I just love him, I can't stand it's not being right. Who does that, right? Who does that? God does that. God does it, that's what our father is like. That's what he is, he's bringing people into his family, he's transforming them, he's pursued us, and then look at this, it gets even crazier. It gets even crazier. Mucho, check it out. So all this is from God. And look at the next part. He's entrusting to us the message. What's the message? Well, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And what's the message? That God is reconciling the world to himself. So we see here, all this is from God, but also we've been entrusted with the message. He entrusted those of us who have been reconciled with the message of reconciliation. Do you guys know what it means to be entrusted with? Survey says, here's what it means to entrust. To give a responsibility to care for something. To give a responsibility to care for something. What are some things you can be entrusted with? Children, what else? Money, what else? Huh? Hamsters. <laughs> I'm sensing that someone killed a hamster. <laughs> She's like, don't talk about it, right? 
She like watched her cousin hamster like three weeks later. It's like fried to the bottom of the hamster cage. <laughs> Dude, yeah. It's kind of close to home. I actually don't want to talk about that one. What else can you, fish. You can be entrusted with fish. Did you actually kill someone's fish? No. Someone killed your fish? No. You should forgive him, girl. Forgive him. That's what God would do, right? Here's what it means to be entrusted, right? Imagine if I call you up and I say, hey, I need you. Aw. <laughs> uh, I never know when people say aw if it's because he's cute or if it's like, Sam, you have to deal with that. Aw. <laughs> Poor guy. Thanks, man. Right? Look at this dude, right? This guy's ready to take on the world, right? This is, this is a kid that when I'm like, Micah, smile for the camera, he's like, you don't believe me? Look at his face. I mean, that's his camera face. He was smiling before that. And I said, Micah, camera. Uh. Right? This dude looks like he can take on the world. But don't be deceived. He's only 18 months. And so he doesn't stay home by himself as much as I'd maybe tempted to do at times. I call people. I call people, right, like Aria Connor or Ellie Metzner, and I say, hey, young ladies, I want you to do me a favor. Can you keep my kid alive for a few hours, right? I'm entrusting to her something precious to me. And luckily, there are no hamster incidents, right? <laughs> Still alive. Too soon. Right? The hamster. Right? And so I entrust to them my child. I give them something that is so precious. I give them a responsibility. Care for this, right? And they care for it. In the same way, the text says that he entrusted to us a message. He's given us a responsibility as a message. He's welcoming people into his family, and he's transforming them. God is willing to welcome your friends into his family and transform them. Hey, God wants to welcome your friends into his family and transform them. That's a good message. And the text says that he's entrusted us, those who have already been transformed with that message. That's powerful. That's a powerful, powerful message. And so you and I, we have this message. We have this good news. Our house is a place where we're announcing that God is in the business of transforming people. And because you and I have this message, Paul uses a metaphor here that's actually pretty cool. Check it out. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore. You guys know what the word implore means, right? Hey, mother, I'm imploring you to make me some cookies. No, I'm imploring. Please. I'm imploring from you. I'm, I'm earnestly urging and desiring and asking you. I'm imploring you, please. Right? God, or we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Students, the final thing we see here is that we are God's ambassadors. All right? We're God's ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? I had a buddy in middle school, and, and he was like the funniest dude I knew. And he always said, like, you know, beginning of class, you're introducing yourself, new semester or a new quarter, go around the room, say your name, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this dude always said, my name is Josh Cumberland, and I'm going to be the next ambassador to Canada, right? And we're all, like, laughing. He's like, you guys have friends like that that don't laugh at their own jokes, and they're straight-faced, and you're like, you're so funny, I hate you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want to be the next ambassador to Canada. I'm like, <laughs> 
That's him, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember from an early age, from middle school, we, we were familiar with this concept of ambassador. And we looked it up. We actually looked up at how much an ambassador makes. We looked up at what kind of school you have to go to become an ambassador. It was kind of like a thing where we would all joke of like, yeah, I'll take Bulgaria. Yeah, I'll take Greece. Yeah, I'll have Canada. You know what I mean? It was just a thing, right? And so what we learned was an ambassador was sent to a different country to represent. They just represent. Represent, right? You don't do that if you're an ambassador. That's like the number one rule in the ambassador rule book. Never tap your chest twice and give deuces, all right? Just bad form, you know? <laughs> Unless you're like the ambassador to Jamaica. And you're like, shaman, represent. But, um, but there's already one, so you can't be that. So as an ambassador, your sole job is to represent. You go there on behalf of a country, and you represent your country's ideas, Every word that you say, they're receiving that as if your country was speaking it. You don't go there and you go, hey, uh, so uh, POTUS over there, you know him, hashtag POTUS, president of the United States. He, uh, he wanted me to tell you that like we're cool and stuff, but here's what I think. <laughs> I'm going to nuke you, you know what I mean? Like, you would not be a good ambassador. You would cause us the third world war, right? Can you imagine that? Imagine being an ambassador and you're like, Hey, I'm Courtney's ambassador to you, and she says that she likes your shirt, but I think it looks dumb. Right? You're going to think Courtney said that because I'm an ambassador. And so as an ambassador, you're, you're not speaking your own thoughts. You're not bringing your own message. You are strictly representing the attitudes, words, and actions of the one who sent you. You're only representing the thoughts, words, and actions of the one who sent you. And so when Paul says here that, you are, that we are God's ambassadors who have been entrusted with a message, that means that students, as you interact, as you go out into your schools, you are representing the thoughts, words, and actions of the God who sent you. And what's his message? He is willing to reconcile you into his family and to transform you and to not hold your sins against you. Would that not be phenomenal if the other students in our community heard that message? Would that not be phenomenal? Like, are there people that you know in school that need to be transformed by the power of God? Hands, please. Okay. Are there students that you know that need to be reconciled into God's family? Man, that would be awesome, man, if they could hear that, right? And we realize that God's plan, for some reason, in his sovereignty, his plan was to do it through you and me, through ambassadors, ambassadors. And so I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to we're going to respond here for a few moments. And here's what I want us to do, okay? Students, this is our house, all right? We're doing this series because before we go any further in the year, before we go to camp, we all need to understand this. This is who we are. We need to understand this is who we are. These are the marks that make citizens citizens. These are the marks that when people come in for the first time, they go, hmm, that's what they're about. And students, we see here tonight that the second mark of our house is that we are a heart-transforming community. Well, Sam, I just kind of wanted to come for fun, and I thought there was just a lot of games, and aren't you guys just like into like doing fun things? That's the YMCA. <laughs> Friends, if we lose this mark, if we stop being a community that proclaims the good news of a God who transforms us radically, then we're just another after-school club. We're just another extracurricular activity, students. 
But what makes our house our house is we learned two weeks ago, the first mark, we are, de- we are a kingdom-declaring community, and tonight we're learning the next mark. We're a heart-transforming community.